Fresno, and welcome to Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. Happy to be with you today. And we are also live on Facebook. Hey, there you go. There you go. Um, we're working out a few kinks. We have a new video system that we're trying out. Uh, not sure if we'll keep going with this or if we'll switch back to our traditional Facebook Live, partially because of the way that it makes you look when you're trying to talk into the microphone. Yes, um, you're kind of sideways. I'm a little sideways, which is a little silly. But, hey, people can see you, John, which is good. So. Yeah, there you go. You uh, got the money shot. That's right. Got the, got the good-looking guy. That's the right. There you go. That's right. So this is Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller, here on Talk Radio 1680 KGED. John, how was your weekend? Ah, uh, not a lot of sleeping, but that's okay. Had a good had a good time. So, yeah. Uh, we good. at Rights to Life of Central California had a booth set up at the Girls' World Expo. So we saw all the girls in the world. Impressive. Um, Kind of like the Flight of the Concord song, All the Ladies in the World. Um, no, uh, it was a very uh, good time, and we got to give Right to Life literature and information, information about Obrey, all kinds of stuff, to uh, the parents and girls uh, throughout the San Joaquin Valley. So it was a good time. Where Did you say that was located? Was that down in Tulare? Uh, no, it was in Fresno. It okay. was at the Double Tree, I believe. Oh, that's or, right. Or it might have been at the Fresno Convention Center, which is near the Double Tree. Anyway, I saw a post nice. about it. I, I wasn't sure if, as... Many of our South Valley listeners know. Given given my not being a girl, I decided to allow my female uh, staff members kind of take the lead on this one. That's probably wise. Yeah. You didn't try to mansplain to them how a girl world expo should go? No, I did not. I figured uh, I should should let, let, let people, uh, let, I, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, basically. We'll just, we'll just move on Moving from the, right the charged gender language yeah, exactly. of this segment. Exactly. Um, I heard some meme about... Not to be, not to be blunt about it, but heard some meme about it. if I had a dollar for every gender there were, I would have only two dollars. <laughs> anyway. Yep, and yep. that's the way we're starting this show. That is, hey, I'm fine with that. Although, John, it's actually a good introduction because you you wouldn't know that if you're the state of California. Um, hey, there you given go. the fact that we have now implemented in January um, the same DMV that cannot get it right when it comes to voter registration no. and has literally hundreds of thousands of incorrect um, voter registrations, both of people who were not trying to re-register, did not want to re-register, or people who deliberately did not want to register because they were not eligible. No, 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 no. Uh, these conservative laws about, you know, requiring everyone have voter ID when they go to vote. No, no, no. That's just a solution in search of a problem, Jonathan. That's just, this is just racist attempts by Republicans to make sure the Democrats can't vote. That's all that is. There is no problem whatsoever with voter registration in California. There's no problem with voter fraud in the state of California whatsoever. The DMV, which is in charge, which has placed itself in charge of voter registration for some reason, the DMV gets nothing wrong ever. And we should all have firm trust in our invaluable socialist comrades. That's right. Because the DMV, as I've seen multiple times when people are talking about, they don't usually like to mention the DMV, but I saw some tweets over the weekend that were absolutely stunning in terms of people saying, I just don't understand. People who, who say they're against socialism, I don't think they know what socialism actually is. And this person went on to say, don't they realize that Medicare and Medicaid and tax cuts are textbook definitions of socialism? And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. One of these things is not like the other. We can talk about Medicare and Medicaid, but tax cuts? No, that, that's just a thing a government does. That's that's different from socialism. Socialism would be control by the state of the means of production. So 
we actually do know what that is. It's not great. Anyway, regardless. Uh, yeah, it's like having the entire economy controlled by the same people who run the DMV. So, Which would not be terribly fun or enjoyable. Yeah. But the, the reason I bring up the DMV before is that there is, uh, John, one of the things that the DMV does do now is they allow... Uh, people to who identify as neither male nor female to choose a non-binary gender identifier on their driver's license. Um, non-binary, uh, theoretically, there is a. It, it is true that there are extremely and and I mean like almost infinitesimally rare cases where people have uh, some sort of mismatch between their biology and their chromosomes, their, right. their physiology and their chromosomes, I should say. But that is not what we are talking about when you see rapid onset transgenderism, which is a thing that is now happening in not just high schools, but even junior highs and middle schools around the country. Yeah, well, I mean, the like most illnesses that no one knew about, or most conditions, I guess I should say, that no one knew about 50 years ago, I sort of question whether it's really a thing. Uh, and it seems as though really the media attention that transgenderism has received in the last five years or so has resulted in, and I, I would guess also some of the sex education stuff that's being implemented in certain states like California, is resulting in kids who maybe are going through normal processes of development and emotions, uh, convincing them into thinking instead of, well, I'm just a tomboy, into thinking I must be a man trapped in a girl's body. It, it's it, it I've, I've spent a lot of time the last couple of weeks with people talking about this issue and um, the promotion and aggressive discussion about this from a from the perspective of uh, children is just horrific, um, mm -hmm. both when it comes to transgenderism itself being promoted. But um, over the weekend, John, I was down in Southern California and I spent some time with a group of concerned parents, mostly moms, but some dads as well, who were talking about the uh, comprehensive sex ed curriculum. Mm -hmm. And uh, that curriculum is really just absolutely shocking and disturbing, to say the least. And the fact that it is being pushed and promoted to such young ages uh, is really, frankly, I think it is scandalous in the not just the political sense of the word, but in the moral sense of the word. Well, I think what's what's more scandalous is that, first of all, how it was passed with so little understanding from parents and voters, um, with so little involvement or critique or criticism from local school boards. I mean, you know, I, I live in Clovis, and I think there are a lot of people in Clovis who are very conservative and who think of Clovis Unified as this very conservative entity that, that all of their teachers aren't unionized and, and, you know, we have a it's a really high standard of education and blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, our school board did nothing while the California Health Youth Act was being debated, was being discussed. They did nothing. They didn't notify people. They didn't notify parents that this was before the state legislature. They didn't take any action. They didn't ask their constituents, you know, what you think. They didn't ask parents what they think. They just sat there on their duffs. And it sort of makes me wonder, like, what's the point of having a school board if not to work on issues like this, where to be a kind of liaison between the community and the state legislature 
and to keep tabs on what the state legislature is doing, especially if it is if it involves things that will directly and concretely impact the education that kids will get. I mean, the problem is that most people became aware of the California Healthy Youth Act and the stuff that it's requiring. They're only becoming aware of it now, you know, three or four years after the law was passed. And now that these curricula are actually being implemented in schools this very year. So, like the and the would, horse is out of the barn, or the cow's out of the barn, whatever that phrase is. Yep. It's out of the barn. The horse has left the barn. The horse has yeah. left the barn. Well, the the part of the thing, John, is that it's this really creeping, um, creeping perversion, and and I use that word advisedly. I don't just I don't just throw that around. But when you look at you the, were advised beforehand. That's right. Yeah, that's right. My attorney uh, told me no, he actually didn't. But anyway. but the um, the uh, the language is. Uh, of this curriculum, it's it's stuff that I've seen people uh, point out that if you took this curriculum and you went and you uh, read it to children at a park after school, on or you were on a Saturday, you were an adult male and you began reading this curriculum to a group of kids at a park, you would probably be arrested for yeah. <laughs> either, you know, pornography or for, um, you know, uh, all sorts of these horrible things. Yeah. Um, because it is literally that graphic. It is that um, obscene. And, and that's the word really, John, that I think I've been looking for is obscene. It, it is it is a definition of um promoting and and uh, describing and exposing children to things that are inappropriate for their age group to say the least and inappropriate educationally i mean unnecessary from an educational perspective and all from this this sort of modern sex ed model that basically says there's no right or wrong to any form of sexual activity we will have no judgments about what is right or wrong with any form of sexual activity you do you all, all yeah it's essentially you do you and we're not going to have any sort of sense that um, any form of sexual activity is right or wrong. That's basically it. And when we come back, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little bit more about this, and I'm going to talk about the event that is coming up at the end of the month uh, that I think hopefully many of us can go to up at the Capitol. John and I will be back in just a moment on today's episode of Life, Family, Liberty. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. I'm your co-host, John Girardi. We were just discussing the finer points of 90s non-grunge musical uh, performances. Yeah, basically, I, I, I take the, uh, I put forward the thesis that grunge was kind of the low point of all rock and roll, and uh, most of most music, I would say. Right, yeah, yeah, I think it, the the entire grunge movement produced maybe like two good songs. And they were both sort of, and they were both Nirvana songs. So you're saying it? Produced, I'm not sure what the other Nirvana song it, it, was. It, it, I'm it really pro- kind of being generous to them. It produced more suicides than good songs. Is what you're saying? Uh, yeah, more uh, terrible fashion trends, bad music, uh, really overhyped Seattle. I think Seattle's the most overrated city in the have country. Have you actually been to Seattle? I've I've not actually I have. been there. But. I, it's. Yeah, there was a whole Seinfeld episode about Seattle. Well, a, a little a little <laughs> snippet of Seinfeld. Where they were talking about how both Pesto and Seattle 
where everyone was talking about. Everyone loves Seattle. Everyone loves pesto. What's the big deal? And I think it might have been a. What is the deal what with pesto? The, and I think uh, it might have been a poke at uh, Frasier, which was constantly ah. win, winning the Emmy for best comedy, and Seinfeld was not. And I think. As we look back, uh, we can acknowledge that that was uh, a grave injustice, and Seinfeld was much more deserving of all those Emmys that Frazier won. So, there you go. <laughs> well, I don't know if I would go that far, but I will say it, it does seem that You don't want to offend is, our, our massive Seattle-based yeah, audience. Yeah, no. our, very, our, our NPR psychology radio host types yeah. of people. So There you go. All uh, right. So, John, we were talking in the last segment just about the craziness of the um, California state legislature, and we were talking about the... Comprehensive sex ed curriculum. Yes. Um, and maybe it would be a good thing to describe for our radio audience exactly what that sex ed curriculum actually oh, mandates oh for boy. people. All right. Well, for I, uh, students. I, I, I think within the confines of the uh, FCC regulations, we can at least do a little bit of that. Okay. And um, I, I will tell you, folks, if you're listening live um, and you have children in the car, well, we won't we won't get that explicit or yeah, anything. No, but just um, we'll just say, John. Let me put it this way, because you just came back actually from a training on uh, sexual risk avoidance. Is yes, that correct? Yes. C- so, can you explain just a- a- as a fifty thousand foot view? Okay. Why is sex ed even talked about in public schools to begin with? I mean, what's the big deal? Why is it why is it what's treated? What's the deal with sex See, ed? we bring it all there back together. Go. Back to Seinfeld. Uh, wh- why, why is this treated as a matter of public concern? So the whole discussion of sex as a question of public health started in the progressive era of the 20th century, which is the early, basically 1900 through about 19, into the 1920s. And in this era, there were a number of public health issues where women actually took the forefront politically, and it resulted in a couple of that major... That didn't start with Hillary in 2016? No, no. Hillary was not the first feminist. Uh, Hillary, not the smartest woman in human history, I don't think. Um, so a number of constitutional amendments came about as a result of this progressive movement by women working against various forms of public political corruption and uh, working against certain bad public health questions. So this resulted in uh, the uh, certain constitutional amendments giving women the right to vote, permitting for the direct election of senators by people rather than by state legislatures who they thought were corrupt and the, were the, wheeling and dealing to get buddies elected senators without... Are, perhaps my least favorite constitutional amendment. Sure. Uh, this is my I, big I, hobby horse I understand, that I hate I, I understand the motivations at the time. Uh, women... You're talking about giving women the right to vote? No, no, no. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> no Jonathan was talking about the direct election of senators. Anyway, uh, direct election of senators giving women the right to vote and prohibition outlawing the sale of alcohol in the United States. That, that one's also up there, but I still I still hate the senator one. Now, the reason why prohibition was being pushed to outlaw alcohol sales in the United States is because there were massive public health problems in the United States surrounding alcoholism and sexual licentiousness by men, chiefly, uh, which was resulting in, one, huge rates of alcoholism, and two huge rates of sexually transmitted diseases with this weird societal attitude that men were allowed to have their extracurricular sexual whatever. Women had to be stuck in home and expected to be pure. And, and, and John, this is something where I know that 
conservatives today get accused of that Wanting type to go of, back to that. Right. Yeah. But in reality, I, th- this is something that I think most people today really have no idea how bad it was in right. the late 1800s, early 1900s. Right. So, and, and prostitution was rampant in many cities. So the response of the early feminist movement, which was very much motivated in large portions of it by Christianity, the response of the early feminist movement was we need to remove this sexual double standard between men and women. And we need to expect that men, not only out of hypocrisy or reasons motivated like that, but for reasons of public health, we need to expect more of men. Men need to stop being alcoholics, stop having sexually licentious lifestyles in order to foster greater public health. To protect, they also, one of the big things they highlighted were the innocent victims of men's sexual licentiousness, which were children to whom STDs were passed along, women to whom STDs were passed along, etc. So that was the mindset was sexual risk avoidance. Encourage chastity before marriage, fidelity during marriage. And this was a broader public health thing, not necessarily in schools. There was one significant figure who proposed, rather than eliminating the sexual double standard by encouraging both men and women to avoid sexual risk... Instead of raising the standard, instead of raising the standard, let's, let's lower, lower the standard for women by introducing birth control so that women could have more consequence-free sex. And that young lady's name was Margaret Sanger. John, look, when I think of the the rights and privileges that made this country great, I think of the ability to destroy your family, <laughs> ruin your ruin your children's lives, if not actually kill them in the if womb before they're born. If that's not what the founding fathers fought for, Come on. then doggone it. If, if, if the founding fathers didn't fight for my right to go mess around with Boobsy LaRue, That's then right. I don't know what they died for. <laughs> not, a, not a real character's name. Just not FYI. a real person's name. No, but, but John, this is just as so a side it note. It was in the 20s where this distinction between sexual risk avoidance and sexual risk reduction began. Margaret Sanger said, no, we should just reduce risks so that people can have consequence-free sex, whereas the more conservative mindset was, no, men and women should both be held to this high standard for the sake of public health and public morals. So... Unfortunately, that has gone by the wayside, and the Margaret Sanger view has predominated within our public schools. It it has proliferated, and we will talk about that when we come back on today's episode of Life, Family, Liberty. Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller, your slightly off-center host, both in the frame on Facebook Live and mentally, uh, just a little bit off-center, especially my, my son uh, Hudson has been sick, so my wife and I have been um, not sleeping quite as well as normal, and, and I really can't complain, John, because you mentioned that there was also very little sleep at your house this week. Yeah, Jack has a, a new tooth coming in from the top, my little boy, my little seven-month-old monster jack and uh yeah he cried and cried last night he was so sad um 
and none of us slept. So that was great. Uh, let me just ask, uh, keeping it real, folks, because that's we like, keep it one hundred on this show. That's right, keeping it one hundred, and, and not like one hundred percent, but like the emoji red one zero zero with an exclamation point. That's right. Yep. Um, how do your girls do when Jack is having a tough time? Are they are they also sad and just don't know what to do, or do they have They're sympathy very for poor Jack? They're very cooperative. They totally act <laughs> in the most mature way possible. Ah, no, the, Jack cries, and that makes Sophie cry, and, and it's it's and Maddie continues talking. So it's I mean, just but that's the, the like volume a, level just goes up. That's an evergreen statement because so Maddie pretty much. I mean, does she ever really not? stop talking? Yes. No, no, yeah. Maddie never, ever. Stops talking. She is the talker. Like, yeah, it's 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 really unbelievable. She she just does not stop talking. She will talk to herself. She'll talk to a wall. She'll talk to Sophie. She talks to Jack. She's just never stops talking. She, it's pretty remarkable. Forever. Yes. Forever and ever. Anyway. <sighs> All right. All so right. We're talking about the sex ed stuff in California public schools. So we, we talked about it on a, on a broader uh, scale, John. And, and before I talk about this, because we, we have two segments left today. We had a little bit of a shifted schedule. But I, I wanted just to have people understand that conservatives, I think in general, and my organization, California Family Council, your organization, mm-hmm. Right to Life, uh, we are not, on the one hand, uh, prudes that don't think that these types of things ever should be talked about. Um, we are certainly not, neither of us are libertine people who think like, oh, you don't need to know anything. You'll just figure it out on your own. You know, you got the internet and blah, blah, blah. No, that, that's definitely not it either. No. I think the concern is that, like we said in the last segment, or like you said in the last segment, very often the, the sexual libertine-ism of Margaret Sanger and Hugh Hefner and um, Alfred Kinsey seems to be what has become the de facto accepted standard right. for sex ed in the state of California and around the country. Yeah, and, and you can directly see that. So a, a lot of Kinsey's research, so Alfred Kinsey was this researcher from the University of Indiana who did a lot of research into sex and human sexuality. And I should say research with scare quotes because his research methods were terrible. He was basing all of his conclusions chiefly off of um, people who were incarcerated and their sexual attitudes and their sexual pers- perspectives because those were the subjects he was able to get because those were the subjects he was able to get not thinking that hey maybe guys in jail are a little weirder about sex than the general public uh maybe we shouldn't draw large societal conclusions based off of the findings we get from sex offenders and and also john to be fair i want to be sensitive because this is a family show but um kinsey himself was not the most victorian in his attitudes or activities no he was uh quite the sexually adventurous dude. Anyway, basically Kinsey's conclusions that he came up with, you know, because it seems like those were the conclusions he really wanted to come up with, were that there is no, he didn't, he basically fought against the notion that there's any kind of morality in sex, that anyone could have sex with essentially anyone. He was even pushing the boundaries about having sex with children. Basically, he was of the opinion everyone is a sexual animal, even kids, and he was trying to allege that even babies were sexual in ways that were really, really gross. Because of that mindset, that attitude found its way into this a lot of the sex ed curricula that were funded by the federal government starting in the 1960s. And the chief characteristic 
of most modern sex ed curricula is this notion that there's no they're not directive there there's no they're not directive oriented they're not normative basically they just simply say some people choose to wait until they are married to have sex other people say that you should have sex when you're in high school or have sex with multiple people or do sex with, there's no standard given of what is right or what is wrong or what is best or what is worst now coming out of the welfare reform policies of the mid-90s, what the Republicans in Congress who passed welfare reform came to see were these statistical findings that if you wait until you are married to have sex, if you graduate high school, don't have a kid until you're married, and hold down a full-time job, your odds of being poor are exceedingly minimal. And, and John, like 2%. I, I, it seems like, to me... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, that, that seems like um, something that social scientists call common sense. Yes, um, but it was also based in fact. It was actually yes. based in real social science. And, and that's the thing that's amazing to me is that this is how incredibly pervasive and extreme the the, the viewpoints of Sanger and Kinsey and Hugh Hefner and, and other provocateurs have gotten that we actually needed social science, backed up legitimate mm-hmm. social science, to try to break through the societal um, miasma and get people to realize, okay, this is, th- th- this is this is not the best way to be right. educating our kids. Yeah, about sex. Uh, p- perhaps encouraging or at least um, incentivizing sex m- among twelve-year-olds or fourteen-year-olds is a bad idea. Yes. Yeah. So, what came out of the welfare reform movement was federal funding for certain forms of sex education that encourage abstinence that encourage people to delay sexual activity until they're married and this is the so-called sexual risk avoidance chain pipeline of sex ed funding it came out of the welfare reform era in this thing called title five so sexual risk avoidance is one of the two streams of sexual education that we have in america california has utterly rejected it in favor of sexual risk reduction which is in the california healthy youth act So we're going to talk about that briefly. This is a topic we're going to keep talking about over the next several months, but we'll be back to conclude today's episode of Life, Family, Liberty. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. That slight chuckling you hear is John Girardi. We're just enjoying some of the fine satire, political satire, on our favorite Christian version of the onion, the Babylon Bee. Yeah, this headline says, Amy Klobuchar emerges from team-building exercise caked in blood, which I think is really hilarious. Anyway, yes, based on uh, all these stories about how mean Amy Klobuchar apparently is to her staff. So, yes. there you go. And just uh, to reiterate a story, I heard about Amy Klobuchar from my wife, who was in Washington, D.C. for Minnesota State High School History Day, um, for the national championships of National History Day, rather. Uh, She went to some dinner with the other Minnesota History Day kids, and Amy Klobuchar was there, and she mistook a small bowl of Italian dressing for soup. So, 
and said, this soup <laughs> tastes <laughs> weird. And that, so from that day on, my wife has not thought a lot about Amy Klobuchar's intelligence. So, Well, God bless you. Good luck at the campaign. True story. True story. I, I, I do think it's going to be so interesting, John. We, we, we have to do the obligatory political discussion. Um, more and more Democratic candidates are hopping into the race. We're still not sure if Joe Biden's going to run, but we think he probably will. We're pretty sure run. now at this point that Beto O'Rourke is going to run. Do you know Beto O'Rourke plays a guitar? And he skateboards. Oh, my gosh. He's so relatable, Jonathan. That's right. And his he name goes is to the Beto. Beto. He must be Mexican, Robert, right? Fr- Robert Francis O'Rourke is his name. <laughs> Robert, <laughs> Robert could you, could you possibly O'Rourke. Could you possibly get a whiter name than Robert Francis O'Rourke? Born on St. Patrick's Day. Robert, no, he's not really, but... <laughs> Basically, Might as well be. more or less. Um, uh, though, John, weren't there some IRA members named? There was there was undoubtedly <laughs> at least one member of the IRA named that Robert be, O'Rourke. That would I'll, be pretty fun. I'd be willing to bet money. I'm listening the, to the audiobook of Patriot Games, so oh. the IRA is on my mind. So. so, John, the other person who just jumped into the race. I mean, there there are quite a few. We have all these people I've never heard of. Like the governor of Washington, like Jay, Jay Inslee. Okay, and, and I will say it is really hilarious because my um, my counterpart. Joseph Backholm, who you know, another mm-hmm. attorney. Uh, he is not a Washington state resident anymore, but when he was, he said, oh, yes, Jay Inslee is firmly believed, firmly believes that he is the one of the smartest politicians in the nation and that what the nation is hungering for, yearning for, mm-hmm. is Inslee for president. Yes. And yes. Uh, it's it's pretty bad. It's amazing the egos and all these. I mean, I, I think a lot of these people are just running for president knowing they'll lose, but thinking... Well, maybe I'll get that kind of Mike Huckabee slash yeah. uh, the MSNBC book deal. You know, the book deal and the or the you know get a spot in the cabinet like um, oh what's his face Doctor at uh, the HUD um, oh um, Ben Carson Doctor Ben Carson yeah, yeah get the Ben Carson Mike Huckabee bump you know get a TV show get a book deal get a spot in the you know next administration the, the thing that's interesting John though is I actually wonder um, if if they beat each other up so badly. Um, that they do not win in 2016. Mm. I'm sorry, I'm in 2020. Um, I wonder if the base is going to be so angry that they're going to be like, any of you guys who messed this up for us and you wounded our eventual nominee to the point where they couldn't beat Trump, you know, you're dead to me. We're mm-hmm. not going to listen to anything else you have to say. I mean, I think this could actually backfire. You mean the way that every Republican views John Kasich right now? Pretty much, yeah. yes. That's a, that's a great way to put it. And yeah. he, he is like just bleh. Yeah. But the, the other person, John, who just jumped into the race, and this is something that is somewhat applicable to California, John Hickenlooper, the governor of Colorado. Hmm. Uh, Colorado, the state that wants to uh, eliminate its ability, its uh, electoral college votes by just giving them to whoever wins the national popular vote. That's right. That seems delightful. John Hickenlooper just uh, left office in November. He was replaced um, by the first openly gay governor in the country. Okay. Who is married to a man. Married, in quotes. Um, He has two adopted children. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is a... um, it, it, it's just amazing for me to think that when you look at the, and I know people in Colorado, but the big thing, what is the big takeaway, public policy takeaway from John Hickenlooper's tenure? Legalized marijuana. Pot. Yeah. Ah. And so running on a national campaign for legalized pot. And I think. More or less. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, obviously, we already have that in the state of California. Um, oh, wait, hold on. I'm just noticing this. Oh, wow. It's a fast food summit part two. 
Uh, oh, for the... Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. The North a, Dakota State Bison are on Fox I'm, News right now getting uh, fast food from the, fo- the, the football House. team, I should the clarify. Team, not, yeah. not like actual buffalo. There are yeah. not actual buffalo in the White House. But, there you go. Uh, well, n- delightful. No, hey. this, this is just kind of... Sorry, it's just a little bit, uh, a little bit funny. I hadn't anyway. seen that before. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> anyway John. So uh, the, the election is going to be interesting. We, we do not have audio from President Trump's speech at CPAC. I think if you really want to hear that, you can go hear that almost anywhere else. But the one thing, John... That I will tell you, I heard reading coverage of CPAC over and over and over and over again, multiple speakers, multiple times throughout the week, kept mentioning that the Democrats are the party of infanticide. Mm-hmm. And I really, I, I'm not saying that the conservatives could not screw this up. Not saying that no, no. the, the Democrats could, were able to screw up 2016. I mean, that's they, right. they had a... They had a you know, it was basically a uh, an extra point. They just needed to kick through the uprights. And yep, and they, they somehow dinked it up. off the edge. So I, I'm not saying that President Trump's reelection is a a mortal lock by any means, but I will say the the fact that um, I, I something popped up on Facebook that I was reading. I think from President Trump's um, either his first address to Congress or his first State of the Union. So either two years ago mm-hmm. or one year ago. And it was someone that was commenting, he was a pro-life activist that was commenting on, look, one of the main reasons why President Trump is in office is because he had promised to defund Planned Parenthood. And I think this was at the very beginning of his administration. It was it was March. Mm-hmm. And he said, this is, we're, you know, I'm frustrated because at this point there's no concrete plan on how we're going to defund Planned Parenthood and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. we realized that it's much harder to defund Planned Parenthood when you have two turncoat Republican women senators who... Refused to vote, and, and John McCain. And Rand I mean, Paul gumming up there, things. Yeah. yeah, there's there's multiple angles that made it more difficult. But the thing that he pointed out that I just I just thought was so interesting was this pro life activist guy was was complaining in March of 2017. Well, and in the speech that President Trump gave to Congress last month, he didn't even mention the word abortion. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Now, and now it's a different climate. It, it is both in his State of the Union address and in his CPAC speech and in tweets and the issue of late term abortion because of it's going to be a major 2020 issue because of um, the state of New York the state of Virginia the, I mean it has suddenly risen to the top one of the top issues mm-hmm. of the discussion and the fact that you now have on record the all of the senators who are running for president mm-hmm. <laughs> they voted to reject medical uh, intervention, intervention, healthcare, just basically life-sustaining treatment for a child who survives a botched abortion, mm-hmm. and and this is, you know, this is going to be a huge issue. Uh, in spite of MSNBC and CNN's best attempts not even to cover it, this is going to be a major issue for voters in a lot of the key states that Trump won, states like Pennsylvania. Like that's going to be a wedge issue in Pennsylvania. That's oh, yeah. why Bob Casey voted the right way on that yep. bill. Like, it's not a coincidence. Uh, Kamala Harris is not going to win Pennsylvania. No. Nope. Uh, Amy Klobuchar, because of that vote, I believe, is not going to win Pennsylvania. Uh, they're not going to win Ohio. I, I think yep. Florida is... I mean, if Trump wins Florida, Ohio, and Pennsylvania again, like, it, it makes the math difficult for Democrats. And Jonathan and I were talking in the break, and I, I'll, I'll try this on for radio rather than just talk about it during the break. I really... I think one of the key reasons why Trump won was the disillusion among Democrat among certain kinds of Democrat voters. 
So the Democrats had a pretty bruising primary fight between Hillary and Bernie Sanders. And Hillary won. A lot of people thought the way in, and subsequently it was revealed that a lot of it was unfair, that the DNC was kind of rigging things for her. And all the superdelegates, which is this sort of anti-democratic system within the process, all the superdelegates went to Hillary because they all wanted to suck up to her, all these establishment people. And there was a lot of bad, there's still a lot of bad feelings between, uh, there's still a lot of ill will and bad hurt feelings between Bernie people and Hillary people. And I think if Biden comes into the race, it's going to be Biden versus Bernie. And I can't see how things are going to play out any differently. If Bernie doesn't win the nomination, there are going to be a lot of really unhappy socialist-leaning progressives who maybe they just won't come out to vote for someone like Biden, just like they didn't for Hillary. I think that is certainly a possibility. And folks, we're going to keep talking about all of these issues, especially the comprehensive sex ed, about the election. Tune in next week. But in the meantime, go to CaliforniaFamily.org. I'm Jonathan Keller. I'm John Girardi. God bless. We'll talk to you next week on another episode of Life, Family, Liberty.